podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, Daniel Childs here again for Added Time. I wanted to bring back my Q&A show. Please do like this if you want to see more Q&As in the upcoming weeks because it's nice to interact with you guys. And, and we are at the start of the Carabao Cup final week where it's huge. I think it really is for Chelsea in terms of the club, the mood of the club, what a win on Sunday could mean for everyone connected to Chelsea. But quite a few days to get there. But I wanted to, as I say, just answer some of your questions, maybe touch on some topics that we haven't in recent weeks or I haven't personally in my recent show. So let's get straight into it. As I usually do, I, I ask on X at Son of Chelsea. So please do go and follow there. I ask on my YouTube community page. So those are the two best places. We may evolve it over time, but hopefully you do enjoy the Q&As returning because I do enjoy doing them as well because I think it gives sort of a different perspective of, of what you guys are thinking and what you want to know the answers to. So start off here with at Chelsea VWR. I definitely suggest go and follow this account because it's brilliant for ticket information in terms of when tickets are coming available, the number of loyalty points are a really good account. But he asks several questions, so I'll try to run through all of them. Opinions on Poch so far. I have my frustrations, but I'm content with him remaining the head coach for the rest of the season. Most improved player this season. I think Conor Gallagher is top of the list. I think he's a significantly better player than what he was last year, although he didn't have the same regularity of starts. I think he has really evolved in the way creatively, being one of the 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 best in that category for Chelsea so far this season. Looks a lot more refined and, and being able to add a level of maybe composure to his game that wasn't there. Still think there's a way to go, but I'd put Conor Gallagher. I won't put Cole Palmer because we didn't have Cole Palmer last year. Dream summer signing. I think that's a tough one. I, at the moment, it really is. I think a decent left back would be something that I'm really looking towards. I, I'd say other than that, if Chelsea were going to sign another attacker, I'd sign Pedro Neto. Just looks like an incredible player at the moment. If he can remain fit, he's a real game changer. And Chelsea found that out a couple of weeks ago. Lukaku in or out. Still think it's got to be out because I just don't see what the future is for him. But I don't see him as the devil that other, others have painted him. As in recent years, I still think he's a guy who scores goals and could be a decent rotation option. But whether he'd want to see himself back at Chelsea, I still can't see it. Lewis Hall's future is number five here. Um, it's hard to know, really. It's so up in the air. There are a few weeks before Christmas where we were kind of thinking, actually, is he staying at Newcastle? Could he return to Chelsea? Then that was kind of shut down. I'm still going to believe he's going to be moving on. But if there is some way in which he returns to Chelsea because of Newcastle situation and happy days, really, because that sorts out the left-back situation. And finally, three players predicting to leave. This is a big one. I think it's very easy to say like a player like Kepper who just doesn't have any future at Chelsea and other lone players like Ziyech who clearly don't have. I'll go with players currently within the first team. Number three, I'm going to say Mikhailo Mudrik in some form. I think we'll either get a loan or Chelsea will try and cut their losses. I can't see that. Like I I could see, I would like to see that happen for his sake because I just don't see it working out for him in, in the near future. I think a loan probably is best for him. 
I think Raheem Sterling is an obvious one as well. I'm also not going to say Thiago Silva because that's also a bit of an obvious one. But I'd say Raheem Sterling, maybe just at his point of his career, you know, is he a player that's going to give you 110%, which is what Pochettino needs? Could you fill that position with someone of, of lesser wages that is taking a lot up in wages? And then actually bringing someone who is more for the future, more for right now, is kind of what I'd say. And my fear at the moment is Conor Gallagher. I, I really do fear. That's not someone I want to leave. I think it'd be horrible, a horrible end. You know, I, I think that Marco Correa probably would be one that I'd be looking at to absolutely move on. I know he's been injured for a few months and he wasn't absolutely atrocious before the injury, but feels like you got to be moving him on as well. So those are the three. The, the, Chelsea have bought so many young players that they kind of have to invest in that, you know, it, it, there aren't obvious ones compared to last year. It was a lot easier last year because you, you could see players physically coming to the end of their time at Chelsea and it was very easy to re replace them or at least see them moving on. It's not as easy this year. So it's why I'm looking towards older players. Some of them are quite obvious, others not so. And in some cases, it could just be a nice parting of the ways, which is, you know, Sterling scored at the weekend. He may have one more year left in him. But I do wonder if maybe there's a cutting of ties, specifically for the wage side of it, because he, he is on, on ridiculous wages given the rest of his squad currently. UM3SS asks, how would you say Jackson has panned out as a striker playing in his first senior season leading line? Is it any good? Can it get any better? I've consistently said that when you throw in the context of Nicholas Jackson, his career before this, what was the expectation level when we signed him? You have to see it as a successful first season. I, I really do. I think for the future, it's more about will he remain a, a centre forward? Because really, as people pointed out at Villarreal earlier in his career, he did play more as a wide player. And we've started to see in recent weeks that continue to happen where Jackson is starting to find a place in in a you know out wide on the left particularly and we see all round as a footballer which was perfectly demonstrated in the build up to the first goal and the the goal against man city that he created how effective a player he is and why he needs to be appreciated more i think the big question is where does christopher nkunku fit and also if chelsea are planning to sign a big striker in the summer then where do you put nicholas jackson which is why maybe as a striker that's not his main role for chelsea and actually he could do a, a more than competent effective job out on the wing where he doesn't have that responsibility and that'll be better for his career. I've seen some references to like a, a Solomon Kalou, you know, regen in a sense of, of someone who isn't always going to be first choice, isn't going to be the main man. But actually, when you look at his numbers over the course of a season, really effective player, helps provide uh, chances for other players, elevate the game of others, and is clearly a good player to have in and around the dressing room. So I think Nicholas Jackson, for what was expected of him, I think this has been a fine first season. I think it's just about where does he go from here? That's the big question. CT asks, can both things be true? One can criticise the overall transfer strategy at the club while acknowledging the solid signings that have been made along the way. Absolutely. This is something that just irritates me so much about this course, not just about football, but let's stick it to football and Chelsea it's everything has to be so binary like I, I was having a discussion about um Tuchel right Tuchel ain't doing that work buying I wouldn't be surprised if he sacked and it's not a case that when I criticize Tuchel I'm saying he was absolutely rubbish for Chelsea because what a farcical point of view that would be right given what he achieved at Chelsea in a short period of time 
but it's also like understanding that two things could be true at once you can appreciate celebrate reflect on the ridiculous impact he had in a short period of time to make Chelsea the best team in Europe, whilst also acknowledging the things that went wrong during his time at Chelsea, which is why it's not so like black and white that he is the greatest manager that we could have right now. And I think that that's similar here. I have my criticism and my concerns and my doubts about the strategy, why it's maybe overlooking internal players that we could be developing from Cobham, the way money is being spent, probably too quickly on players that we're not using right now and the balance of the squad being too much in a younger direction. But then you do look at a performance at the weekend where you look across that team, right? Petrovic, solid goalkeeper, looks like a solid bit of business. Axel Dezassi, dominant performance. Malo Gusto looks like a brilliant piece of business. Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo, we've seen evidence in recent weeks of them starting to form that chemistry and that connection in central midfield that you'd want. Of course, Cole Palmer really stands out head and shoulders. Nicholas Jackson, who we were just speaking about. So I think there's always got to be that nuance, right? And even if sometimes we're only pinpointing maybe the positives a little bit more because of something that's happened compared to the negatives, it's a lot easier when you're winning to talk about the positives and negatives when, when things aren't going well. So I think absolutely both things can be true at once and it doesn't have to be it's the end of the world, doomsday, this is the worst club, we're, we're never going to make a good signing, we, we haven't made any good signings. Because I just think when you don't add balance to your argument, I just roll my eyes and I think that I think you lack credibility. You know, I think there's some kind of this weird assumption in sort of football discourse that you have to really double down and you have to be really strong. And the the way to show strength is to show no kind of patience or willingness to accept a different point of view or that another perspective could be had. I just think that's idiotic. I think it's lazy. So it's why I think on this show a lot of the time I do want to give both sides and then I'll give you my point of view. CFC Dan asks, what do you do with Mudrick? Doesn't seem to be getting a sniff loan potentially. So I said earlier about Mudrik, he hasn't featured in the last three games at all. Three unused sub appearances, basically, if you can call them appearances. He, Pochettino, it's, I think it's very notable, really. It was that first half performance where he started against Middlesbrough, where Chelsea were dominant, but he was really bad that night. Like It was alarming how wayward he was. And I think it says a lot that in recent weeks, he has not just gone to the fringes. He just isn't being looked at. Like I saw some comments in my City review that were talking about, well, surely that would have been a good time to bring on Mikhailo Midget, right? Chelsea are sitting deep on transition. And I agree with you. That's that's why you brought in Mikhailo Midget, That is, It's for that speed in transition. But I do think in this case, rather than solely having a go at the head coach, you have to ask, why isn't he going towards Mudrik in that moment because Mudrik unfortunately offers you that speed but does he have the game intelligence to keep himself on side to put himself in in the right position to not give the ball away that's the thing when you're under pressure as well you can't have wayward maverick players who suddenly start going into business for themselves and especially against Man City losing the ball cheaply not making intelligent moves or decisions that that are going to cost you and and cause you to have more pressure on you, which Chelsea had enough already. And I just think it says a lot that, you know, Mudrik isn't being looked upon. Now, maybe that might change within a week or two, but going into the cup final, he's nowhere near the starting 11. And I don't think any of us think he should be, unless Pochettino, for some reason, has decided that Mudrik is the perfect tactical weapon against um, against Liverpool on Sunday. I can't see it happening. 
And I do think that alone is maybe the best compromise here because he looks so short of it. And I wonder if Pochettino is at the point now, like I am, like others are. I'm looking at, say, Callum Martin-Odoi, the performances and the output he's having at Nottingham Forest. I'm looking at just technical limitations compared to other young players within this group that are playing well at the moment and deserve praise. Whilst Mudrik looks so off it that he needs football, but probably not at this level, this scrutiny, where it's probably not going to be best for his development. So it's it's a really tricky situation, but I'm not, I, I almost am not of the belief that he should be protected and, you know, to a point where we have to start sacrificing other players in the transfer market over the summer to make up for the loss of signing him. It's more that he should be either Chelsea cutting losses if they can or trying to get him alone somewhere because he is way off it at the moment. And finally, ZM Headhunter asks, if we sign a top striker, will that solve the entirety of our attacking problems? Or our inbox strategy has to significantly improve even if we get Osman? I do think that there are reasons to believe that a clinical finisher massively improves Chelsea in the sense that as I've seen this season, we create opportunities under Mauricio Pochettino. That's one of the things that I don't think can be discounted or disregarded is despite for years and years us talking about a lack of clinical edge, which I don't think is like, it's not a lie or it wasn't your your eyes were deceiving you. It's just that say under Tuchel, for instance, under Graham Potter, my issue was that the quality of chances and the regularity of good chances just wasn't frequent enough. In the sense we were playing, we we weren't good in front of goal, but our our margin for error just wasn't favourable at all. You know, it, we didn't have good finishers, and we were giving them very little to work off of, and that was the issue with Tuchel. Right, is that I didn't see where that style of football was going to progress Chelsea in the long term. That's not to say it was worse than where we are now, because obviously Chelsea are mid table right now. Obviously, it was better than what we have right now. But I'm just talking about solely the attack. But then if you look at us under Pochettino where we've missed a lot of chances we've made good chances like we did against Man City and then you put a clinical striker in that role and you're giving them more um, to work off of then you'd like to think that a better finisher is going to put those chances away and does improve Chelsea's attack in the long term but I also do think that you know it's my fear with Chelsea of just not understanding how to get the best out of players and miscasting them in kind of roles that are not suited to them I've been slightly encouraged in recent weeks that it seems like Pochettino by coincidence by maybe a just understanding maybe his group a little bit more how given how the season has gone he started to put put players in more favorable roles and I think that that's an important part of it obviously because you can sign Lukaku who is wonderful but then if you barely give him any service, if you don't play him in a role that is suitable to get the best out of him, then you are limiting him as a player. And I think it's the same with someone like Osserman, right? You, we need to distinguish and think about what has made him such a clinical finisher, what has made him one of Europe's most talented and well-liked and admired strikers. If we can't, if we don't have the attributes and the tools to replicate that at Stanford Bridge, then you have to rethink your strategy and look towards another target you are going to easily find ways to get the best out of. Um, because I, I think that that's the... I'm still of the belief as well that it's not about a saviour. I don't view Victor Rossman as this saviour player who's going to come in and fix everything for Chelsea. There, there needs to be foundational things in Chelsea's style of play and the way we build a squad that are much more solid 
that gets to get the best out of players, that show that players are improving over a period of time. Signing one player, I just don't think is going to radically make us like the greatest team in the world. If we, if we end this season with a nice balanced squad where we're seeing performances to the level we saw against Man City, Aston Villa, we've got some form of European football, maybe we've won the cup, then I think you're at a stage where actually you do look at it and go, let's we've have we have a season of evidence under Pochettino now. What we clearly are missing is that clinical striker. But if we end the season where we're way off it, our style of play looks wayward, we're having very short-term solutions and we're thinking about changing a head coach again, I think it's a different story. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch this show. If you're a Chelsea fan and you want more carefree content, please do hit that subscribe button. Really helps the channel out as well as the like button and sharing it around with friends so more people can get involved in the community. And you can follow Son of Chelsea across socials at Son of Chelsea on TikTok, on Instagram and on X. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.